Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You are now listening to the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast, where we talk all things related to mental health, life lessons, and the culture. My goal is to help each and every listener pursue and center wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Shonda, licensed clinical psychologist. Now let's get into it. I'm going to say it's the confidence for me. It's the confidence for me. I just want to say it confidently. Say it's the confidence for me. It's the confidence for me. Brought here and forced into slavery. Um, and based on those traumas that we experienced during slavery, some of those same behaviors, the attitudes, um, you know, the belief systems that we adopted as slaves can be passed down to generations after that. Um, and that is why we see like the hyper. Yeah, amen. You're a treasure, um, Dr. Shonda Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. I'm, just, I'm never listening. I'm learning so much. Hey, y'all, if you haven't done so already, I need you to pull out your phone, go to the Apple or Spotify app and go ahead and click on that follow button to make sure that you're following the podcast. Also, scroll to the bottom and leave a five star review and leave a comment. Thanks so much. What's up, fam? It's Dr. Shonda. And today is August the 9th, which means that it is National Book Lovers Day. That's right. Today is National Book Lovers Day. And I think today is very important, especially as it relates to intellectualism. We know that there's a direct attack happening on intellectualism, especially in our community, the black community, where people are banning books, books that have been written for our benefit, books that have been written to enlighten us. Uh, So many books out there pertaining to black people, our, our history, even Uh, different novels, urban novels, fictional novels, like, you know, all these different types of books are being banned, which is why today I wanted to take some time out and to pause and just reflect on some of the first novels, some of the first books that you have read. So I put a question out there and I did ask you guys, what was your first novel? And this is what you guys said. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jazz. And the first novel that I ever read growing up was Fly Girl. Hey, everybody. First novel I ever read was Coldest Winter Ever. Hey, Dr. Shonda. The first novel that I ever read was True to the Game. Yes, y'all had some really good submissions because when I tell you I read all of those books that y'all said that were your your first novels, like, and it brought back so many different memories. Just the early 2000s, late 90s nostalgia that I experienced just listening to it. But let's get into this interview today. So today I have the esteemed pleasure of interviewing New York Times bestselling author and author of several books, including Fly Girl, For the Love of Money, Boss Lady, A Do-Right Man, and so many other books that we probably read in high school. I want y'all to make sure that y'all are listening up to this interview with Mr. Omar Tyree. Let's get into it. I'm ready to roll. Perfect. I'm ready too. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Mr. Tyree, for coming through the podcast. All right. Thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. It was a pleasure uh, just, you know, randomly meeting you at Essence in New Orleans and (laughs) being able to stumble upon uh, just talking to you, having great conversations. So I appreciate how warm and inviting that you were. Oh, thank you. I'm going back next year. I got my own poetry book. I'm like, I got it out already, but I'm going to print it and do my own thing there. And then my friends are selling all them poetry books. I said, I got to do this next year. Dope. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so welcome to the podcast. So this is a place where we talk about all things related to black culture, mental health, faith, and everything else in between. Uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from and all that good stuff. 
Well, I'm from Philadelphia, like the hat says. It's part of the name, <laughs> Philly. And, um, you know, I grew up in West Philly and moved to an area called Mount Airy. And Mount Airy was like the move-up area for black people. We call it Uptown now, Mount Airy, West Oak Lane, and Germantown. And the black people moved up there. And we in the 80s hit, we became extra fly. We were like the flyest people in the city, you know, in Mount Airy. Yeah, so I happened to be up there, but I'm originally from West Philadelphia, the bottom. You know, Will Smith is from the Overbrook area, which is the, mm-hmm. what they call the hilltop, the top area. And then uh, the bottom is, you know, like right near the, the art museum. We right around the corner from the art museum and the mm-hmm. zoo. And it's a rougher neighborhood, you know. So I came up down there and my mother was the oldest of eight and my father was the oldest of four. And so I had uncles that they were older than me, but they weren't that much older. You know what I mean? And they wanted to go to the movies and my mom would work and go to work. And then my uncles would say, let, let us watch the nephew. But we want to go to the movies. And so my mother would get them like, this is back in the seventies. So she gave them like $5 and that pays for all our movies, all our food, the whole, everything, you know, what, so $5? We, $5 and we get wow. everything done with $5 dude, back in the seventies. So we walk up Lancaster Avenue in West Philadelphia to the Capitol Center movie theater on 52nd Street and go to the movies. And they like seeing Kung Fu movies back then. And we see like (laughs) three Kung Fu movies. They call them triple features. And you watch three in a row. And I was right there with them. You know what I mean? And then I would memorize the scenes in the movies and the voices and all that kind of stuff with the Wu-Tang and the Shaolin and the Tiger (laughs) style and the crane and all that. And I come out doing all the moves. I'm like five, six years old. So by the time we get back to West Philly, you know, my uncles got a kick out of it. So they had me, you know, replay the movie for their friends. So now I'm doing the movie (laughs) for teenagers and I'm like five, six, seven years old. So I already had a knack for memorizing stuff and doing Mm -hmm. voices. And so that was the storytelling at first. Then when I moved to Mount Airy as a teenager, you know, I was older. My friends couldn't do movie marathons, what I call them. I was just bouncing from one screen to the next and watch all the movies <laughs> and being there for like six hours. And my friends were like, man, we ain't been in the movies for six hours. We can't, we couldn't do it. So I had the attention span. They didn't. So they would go hang out in the mall for three hours while I'm still in the movie theater. Then I'd catch them later on. We go to the arcade. We talk to girls. We go to the parties, you know, the house parties and stuff. We get in fights, the whole nine. And so that all the stories in Philadelphia, and I, and I was one that understood how to tell them, you know, understood what people, you, you use as language and all that. Mm-hmm. And so once I got to college and they started asking us to write about our neighborhood and our friends and our hobbies as, you know, a test to see what our writing skills were, my writing skills was way up there because I was a storyteller. And so that improved oh. my English. And then I got an A in English, passing the highest level of writing. And then when I came to Howard, I transferred from Pitt. I went to Pitt first. And when I came to Howard, I just wanted to focus on the writing stuff. And that's what I did. And so, yeah, I was I was born, I was born a storyteller. It was just a thing of of being in the right position to keep, you know, uh, what yeah. they call it, learning it and, and, and mastering it. And yeah. then I went ahead and I took up journalism at Howard where I'm interviewing people, which took it to another level, interviewing people, writing stories, newspaper articles, magazine articles. And then that led into books. But, you know, film is the next thing, because that's what I really started with film. And so it's been hard getting in film because, you know, the film, I guess the finance people, they want to control everything. They don't read the content. They don't know the content. But since they have the money, they want to control what you do with it. And that, you know, that's just don't settle right with me. You don't know the content. You're going to tell me what to do. And then 
I'm a type A personality, so I'm not like no step and fetch it, you know, go get it. I'm a hustler. <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur. I typically run my own show. And so it's been difficult trying to get yeah. the capital. But that's what I'm working on now, the film game. I that's love how, that. That's how I became a storyteller. I was already I a storyteller. It. Yeah, I love it. So I, I love how you're talking about how like your upbringings in Philly have definitely contributed to you being a storyteller and ultimately has helped to hone your craft of being that storyteller that you are. Yeah. Um, I was telling you when I met you that I'm not from Philly. I'm from Delaware, but I did live in Philly uh, for for some time. I, I enjoyed my time there and it's definitely immersed in, in culture. I love Philly culture. Um, right. So I'm wondering, like, Pertaining to your upbringings in Philadelphia, how did you utilize or what inspired you to utilize your experiences uh, there in Philly and just go out there and just write about it? Well, again, when we went to the University of Pittsburgh, they asked us to write about our neighborhoods, our hobbies. And when I did that and I was using all the Philadelphia lingo, chumpies, joints, dips, cuz, you know, and they was like, yo, man, he's using. And they had their own slang in Pittsburgh. Harrisburg had their slang. New Yorkers had their slang. D.C. Yeah. But all black people got their own slang. So exactly. him and me used the slang as a part of my story, inspired the other students in my class. They were all freshmen when we met mm-hmm. each other in Pittsburgh. And so people started copying what I was doing. And then, mm-hmm. the, you know, the counselors were like, can you write like a student diary, which t- typically girls write diaries. But in my diary, you know, I was writing about the parties at Pittsburgh and going to the football games and the classes and, and people were reading that. Then I got an A in English. And so for me, writing about Philadelphia started because the Pittsburgh's, you know, teachers asked us to do that. And then once I did that, I said, hell, we got a lot of stuff we did in Philadelphia that I can write about. And <laughs> nobody really writes about contemporary teenagers. And when you talk about black writing at that, that time. Part we were still writing about slavery. We were not writing about contemporary black people. And so that mm-hmm. was the hip hop era. I was in the eighties, the original seventies and eighties, the original funk and hip hop era. So I was like, wow, we got black parties, house parties, football, basketball, fighting. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Women, you know what I mean? Philly's a big city. So I said, I got a lot of stories to write about. And so I went ahead and put it together. And Fly Girl, you know, was like the culmination of that because, you know, that song, that song was hot. And I was like 15, 16 when that Fly Girl song came out from the Boogie Boys, the Brooklyn crew. And it was like, that was it. Like the the girls were trying to, and we was chasing after the Fly Girls. That was just like (laughs) the perfect timing to write about 84, 85, 86, those prime years in the middle of the 80s. And so, yeah, I just like, let me write a whole book about it. Uh, writing about the type of girls that we were chasing after. I'm loving how you you basically took your experience and you put that in literary form. Uh, you literally are a literary giant. Like 
the the way that you influence, especially especially like black culture and black writers, uh, black authors in general, uh, you can definitely tell when someone has an author has read your books and they've been inspired by your work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so when thinking about even Fly Girl, first of all, congratulations on thirty years. Like yeah. that's an amazing ac- accomplishment um, to stay relevant over thirty years. Like I'm wondering how that even feels for you today. Well, without the movie, you know what I mean? It's like it, it wears off, you know, because if I get the movie and if I get to cast, um, uh, what's that? What's the daggone name? Yara Shahidi will be my choice. If okay. I get to cast, if I get to cast, uh, Holly Berry as her mom, you know what I mean? <laughs> if I get to cast, um, what's the girl name? Zendaya as Mercedes. Now she would be a stretch as Mercedes because Mercedes wasn't light skinned like that, but I like Zendaya and I like her height. And I like her politics. And those are three stars. They're the yeah. only three stars I need. Everybody else got to fit the part and can be from Philadelphia. So I would mm-hmm. have a whole lot of Philadelphians. We would shoot it in Philadelphia. And that's another problem that you have with mainstream, you know, filmmaking right now. They want to shoot it in other places. You know, no mm-hmm. part of Atlanta, no part of Atlanta looks like Philadelphia. So I wouldn't want to do that. And then when they do that right. and try to make one part look like it, then you stuck doing a movie on one block. And let me tell you something. I'm an 80s teenager. We never stayed on one block, dude. We drive around. <laughs> we walking every, we catching buses. So to right. have any 80s, and then they want they don't want to do the 80s. I'm like, are you crazy? That's when we were the flyers. Are you out of your mind? You got to do the 80s. Kids don't even use the word fly now. So I'm like, no. So that's the things that make it hard to do the film. So, you know, people, it's 30 years anniversary. I'm going to do a tour, a college tour this year, you know, but I still think about the film, trying to get the film done. Well, I don't need to be a main character, but if you could just put me in as an extra, I'd work with that too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Just let me know. (laughs) Yeah. All the parties, we got plenty of people. We got to put you in the old school gear, the old school I got you. Yeah, the 80s. (laughs) Yeah. Got you. I got you. Uh, so so you were writing about Tracy, who was the, the protagonist in this whole novel, uh, Tracy Ellis and her coming of age story in Philadelphia. And so I'm yeah. wondering, like, do you feel as though you contributed to black women, African-American women in fiction? Because like you said, there weren't many stories that were talking about this. Well, if you talk about young fiction you could say that but black yeah. women were already terry mcmillan was already right rosmick mcmillan for uh, sure was that for tony sure. morrison alice walker women were dominating the field yeah you know so i can't say that at all you know what i mean i could say for the younger women yeah for the teenagers not, okay yeah not not black sisters period they were the ones dominating you know so when when i came in it was like you know 10 female writers and one black male writer you know what i mm-hmm. mean so yeah young people i inspired the younger female writers to write you know, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was that like at that time? Because like you said, like the Tony Morris, like they were writing, yeah. um, but in terms of like the younger stories, right? So like the, the teenage stories, like right. what that that really pushed the needle in that era. Um, well, and so, you know, yeah. at, at first, you know, they didn't really look at it the same way they looked at hip hop. It was like this new thing, this young thing, it's going to fade away. It's not going, mm. you know, so when I first put Fly Girl out, it was like the old heads like, what is this? What the hell is this? He got the language all over here. He got all, what the heck are you doing? Like, what is, what is this? It's not going to fly. It's not going to work. And then the young kids started reading and was loving it. And they were like, why are you reading that Fly Girl, that Omar Tyree with the, and they were like, because it's young, it's us, it's <laughs> slang, it's hip. 
And then after a while, you know, when it kept selling and kept doing what it do, then the older yeah. folks was like, well, he didn't found something down. You know what I mean? So after a while, they had to accept it. And then I had other books coming out. One like I just wrote Fly Girl. I wrote A Do Right Man and Single Mom mm-hmm. and Sweet St. Louis and For the Love of Money and Leslie and Just Say. And I kept coming. And then it was like, well, this dude ain't a fluke. He know what he's doing. He keep putting his stuff <laughs> out. So we got to go ahead and accept what it is. And now, now I'm one of the oldest in the game. I was the youngest in the game. Now I'm an old head. So I just did an event in Baton Rouge with Terry McMullen. And I'm, I'm talking to her people trying to get her to do a tour with me where we both talk about, you know, the, the rise of black literature in the 90s. But, you mm-hmm. know, Terry is on that another level. So I got to see if her people allows a tour for us together. But if she don't want to do it together, then I'm going to do my own tour this fall. Uh, at all the HBCUs and colleges again with the 30th anniversary of Fly Girl. And then I got a poetry book for the love of black women that is already on ebook, but I'm going to put it out in print. And so I'm just going to tour myself. I'm putting that together now. Uh, then I got a new book coming out next year called Control that deals with the mental health issues that everybody talks about now. Yeah. 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 Talk to us about um, Control. So I know you you sent me some of your information pertaining to that book. Um, yeah. What inspired you to write that? And, and tell us a little bit about it. Well, the lack of control that I have right now in trying to get films done is driving me crazy. You know, <laughs> so as much as social media kind of teases people that they can do everything by themselves mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's really fool's gold because now people are using social media and these numbers and you got some people buying numbers you got people getting high social media numbers for nonsense so now social media is taking over and people think they can do everything by themselves thinking they can control everything and you can't you really don't and yeah. so that's just that whole idea of losing control, not being in control, wanting more control. I said, man, that's a fabulous idea that I want to to, to write about. You know, and I think uh, for the most part, I was just reading about depression yesterday and it mm-hmm. affects women a lot more than it affects men because women even feel less control than men do. You know what I mean? Just your, your body cycle and whatnot, stuff that we don't have to deal with at all. Women have to deal with it every day. It's like, I can't control this. I can't control. And then dating men that, you know what I mean, want to take you in one direction. You want to go somewhere else. You know, it's just for women, it's really. So I said, put that woman at the center of it and then have men, too. So I got a psychiatrist that's dealing with people that got control issues that they're spazzing out with. And so I said, man, this is a great you know, psychological thriller to deal with how crazy we can get when that control avoids us or when we got too much control, it can get, mm-hmm. become crazy, you know? So I, I'm writing from all those perspectives, seven different characters in that Joker from a psychological edge. Wow. And, and it's a thriller, another great film idea. And I got the perfect psychiatrist would be a woman that sounds like it all the time. Gabrielle Union sounds like a damn doctor. When she speaks, everything she says is like analytical, metaphorical. So she sounds like a doctor when she yeah, speaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I, it'd be perfect <laughs> to have her in this movie, you know? And then I had some other characters that I was like, they would be perfect too. So when I was writing it, I was thinking about certain people that I envisioned being in those roles as a film. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing books again to keep my name out there, but I'm thinking film every single time I write a story now. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like your your passion, of course, isn't just writing, but also like in the film industry. Um, have have you done any any films yet or is that something I think you said you're breaking into it? Yeah, I did two films, independent okay. ones, twenty five thousand dollars each. I got a film called Monologues, which is a 14 of us just doing monologues from different topics. That's on right. Amazon 
uh, Prime right now. You can order Amanda Lost, Momar Tavari. That was just nice. a $25,000 film utilizing the camera and soundtracks and then voiceovers. And then I did a film back in 2006 called The Lore of Young Women, where a filmmaker, producer was looking for a young muse, a hot young woman that he can create as a star. So he was interviewing girls and getting in trouble with them. You know what I mean? So the whole Me Too movement, he got power, he got money, and he's getting in trouble with these hot, young, you know, aspiring, you know, actresses and stuff. So we shot that in 2006, and I'm holding that back because I still like it. We want to re edit it. And once I get in the film game, I know I can put that out with total control. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, we want to put that back out. So we're sitting on the lore of young women that we did in 2006. And I started in that one as the dude looking for the young muses because acting is easy to me. You know what I mean? I, I write it. So we did improv with that. Like, okay, here's the scene. Let's do it. Because I didn't want people having to study lines and forgetting it and all that. I wasn't paying people. It was cheap. And so, but we shot it well. And we want to re-edit it, make it sharper. So I did two films, but both of them were $25,000 films. They weren't, you know, something I want to push hard. But the lore of young women, we're going to put that back out once I get some other stuff popping. Nice, nice. I can't wait to hear about that. Now I have to look up Monologue. You said it was, it's on Amazon Prime. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Amazon yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna definitely get into that. Um, yeah, so it's definitely just a an honor to kind of like talk to somebody who's been in the writing game for such a long time. And I can imagine that there are probably listeners, like other black authors and black writers who are listening and they like advice. And I'm yeah. wondering like if there's anything that you would tell them, like how would you tell them to kind of uh tap into what inspires them to write? Well, I always tell them, first off, two things. The writers write, you know, so you get a lot of people. I always wanted to write. I've been thinking about writing. I always was, was stop thinking about it. Wanting right. to write, right. You know, <laughs> if you want to play basketball, you don't talk about playing basketball. You get a ball and you go on the court and you shoot. You right. know what I mean? So, you know, when I hear people say, I always wanted to write. Well, what's stopping you from writing? Just you got a cell phone, you got a computer, you got paper and a pen. Just start writing whatever you thinking about, whatever you want to write about. And then you improve it. You keep getting better at it. It's called revision where, mm -hmm. you know, you write what you write. Then you improve it. You tighten up the spelling. You add details to it. And so that's a part of the process. But that's the first thing I tell is writers write. Stop waiting around, thinking about it, talking about it. And then the other thing is to finish what you start. We get other people that start stuff and they don't finish it. Yeah, I started writing. Well, this I book. feel like you're talking to me right now, but go ahead. Yeah, I hear it all the time. I started writing this book and I'm on page 32 and I don't know what to do and where to go. How do I finish? And I'm like, well, what were you trying to write? You know what I mean? Like, did you know the end of your story? And so when I'm writing, I always have a beginning and an ending and then you fiddle out, figure out the middle. You know what I mean? But I know where I'm going. So it's no time. When I came up with the idea for control, as soon as I came up with the idea, what's my ending? Always. I always do that because you got to finish it. So you can't be right and you don't know where to, well, I'm just going to wing it and see where it, no. You're going to be winging it forever. You never, you, you got to figure out what is my ending? What is my beginning? And then you figure out how many different things do I want to happen before I reach this ending that I want you to learn from. So that's part of the process. But us writers that write all the time, we know that. you got to have a beginning, a middle, and an ending. 
in the middle was that transition point of, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When something big happened, okay, now we're going to transition to this. And so that middle, you know, sometimes they call it a climax. It may be closer to the ending. You know what I mean? So it's not really the middle. It's closer mm -hmm. to the ending. You know, like a stage play is, you know, three parts or a screenplay is three acts. So, you know, that, that middle or climax is closer to the resolution, which is closer to the end. And so if once you know that, then you know how to finish stuff. And so I tell people all the time, finish what you start. So you might have to start smaller stuff. You can't do a whole novel. Do a poem, do a short story where you know you can finish something shorter and then you get the confidence and being how to or learning how to finish smaller stuff. Then you can get the bigger stuff. So please don't start with the novel if you can't finish a short story. I think that's great advice. And I honestly feel like you're you're coming for me right now because I've started stuff and I haven't finished it. Um, yeah. But I'm definitely trying to get better at that. So you said start. To start at the beginning and then do the ending. I haven't done yeah. that method yet. Maybe that That's will help it. me. That's it. So when you're right, whatever you didn't finish, what's your ending? Uh, I, 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 well, that's why you can't finish. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know where you're going. I mean, that's like really like if you're going to the mall, you know you're going to the mall. If you just start walking in your neighborhood, you don't know where you're going. It's like, well, where are you walking to? I don't know. Right. Well, where are you going? I don't know. Well, when are you going to get there? I don't. You don't know anything because you don't know where the destination is. So you have to establish the destination all the time. Well, I don't know where I'm going. Well, you got to figure that out. If you want to become a storyteller, you got to figure out what your ending is, period. Hmm. Storytellers have to know the ending. Okay. I'm going to write that down because I, I promise you, like, there are so many works that I've started that I have not finished yet, but it's on my goal, my to-do list to do. So I'm going to definitely take your advice. Uh, yeah. Do you do any, like, classes or courses for young writers or, like, what? I had a Howard friend, my dude, Walter Pearson. He talked to me, like, last week, and he said, you need to do a master course. You know, they got these master courses now. But a lot of them folks, they have promotions. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For the master. I don't have promotion yet. And so a lot of times when I try to do things without promotion and marketing and the proper vehicles, they fall flat because I don't have all those followers and whatnot on Instagram and, you mm -hmm. know, YouTube and all the people that do crazy stuff have all them. Followers. I'm a very sane person. You know what yeah. I mean? Down to earth person. So you don't get all that crazy attention that these folks are getting. And so, yeah, I would love to do that, but you have to have a way of promoting it so everyone gets it. And so you don't have three people in the course and you're giving your all for three people. I'm still going to do that if that's the case. But it's like, really, man, I went through all this for three people instead of 30, instead of 300. And so I got to figure out how to attract people and market when you want to do something like because I know all the skills. But then that's the skill of marketing and getting people yeah. to come in. So you're going to need a person that understands how the market has an audience. And then I say, hey, let's do a deal. You know, you market to the audience and I'll give you a piece of the pie. So I got to figure that out. <laughs> if you want to do that, you got the audience, we'll do that. But that's the deal that I have now. If you can't get the audience, even if you're doing great stuff, nobody hears it. You know what I mean? So mm. that's the problem I have now in social media world where the people that do the sensational nonsense got all the followers. And the same people don't. You, I feel like you have a social media following, though. I do, like, but it's small. I got 10,000 people. And I had most of that 10,000. You think it's enough, but it, they, here's the deal. They say only 10% is going to follow through on what you market. So I mm -hmm. only got 10,000. That goes down to one thousand. But 
you're assuming that when I tweet or text something or put something on Instagram that all 10,000, and that doesn't happen. All 10,000 people are not going to see it. So let's say 2,000 people see it, and I'm only getting 10%. Now I'm down to 200. And then that 200 going, oh, I forgot. I, you know. So no, man, you got to have a high number when you market. Yeah. And, and then you know you're going to get a 10% and then 5% and then 3%. And so you got to start with a huge number not 10,000. So I got to work on trying to figure out how can I get to 20,000 and then 40,000 and then 80,000, you know, how, how could I double it? Right. I got to work on that. Well, even, even outside of the social media piece, because you're such like a, a literary giant, I feel as though there are people out there who are interested in stuff that you have to say. Okay. So like, do you have a, maybe an email list? Like, is there a way that you uh, just, you know, take people's contact so that you can stay in communication with them when you are selling something or when you do have a new book drop or a master class. Well, they can do that with the social media. My Instagram is only one, the number one, Omar Tyree. I'm on Facebook at Omar Tyree. I'm on Twitter at Omar Tyree. I got LinkedIn. I'm on TikTok at Omar Tyree. All they got to do is follow me on my social media because that's the new thing now. You know, the email list I used to have, in yeah. the 90s and the early 2000s, I used, used that back then. Now the email list is too tedious. You know, if those guys have your links to your social media and you always pushing what you're doing, which, of course, I'm going to do on my social media, then they know what you're doing. So all they have to do is follow my social media. But <laughs> it is what happens. These kids want to follow people that's doing stuff that's closer to them. So if they're not real readers and stuff, then it's like, why am I following this Omar Tyree guy if I'm not really in the books and stuff? Because he's not doing anything crazy. He's real sane. So I'm not going to follow sane people. I want to follow crazy people. So, not gonna, so I got to figure out a way, you know, to become cool enough for them because I'm not going to be crazy. I, I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? I, I got stuff to do. And I got a mind that got to stay logical with what I'm doing. So I got to figure out how to get them to follow. But, yeah, I don't need to do email lists. If you know my name and you know how to spell O-M-A-R-T-Y-R-E-E, you look it up on your social media and follow me and then just tap in every week or whatever yeah. and find out what I'm doing. It's that easy. But the, the issue with social media, though, is... And I, I run into the same thing, right? The issue with social media is that, like you said, only a couple, like a, a small percentage of the people who actually follow you are going to see your stuff, like the people who yeah. engage with you. And so, like, when you do have people who are highly engaged with your content, then that's when I pull people from my social media page to my email list. And that okay. way, anytime I send something out, anytime I got something that drops, apparel, uh, masterclass, whatever, my email list is going to get it first because I know those are my, like, you know, top supporters or what have you. Okay. But we can talk about okay. that online. I'm, I feel like I, I can help you with like, you know, figuring all of that out because the people need your knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be great, man. That's yeah. why I put it on you because you're you right now are in a, a platform where, you know, you're doing a lot of interviews. And so you gonna have a lot of people checking in, you know, so anybody that has a platform can be a person that can help in the marketing. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of stuff I got to do. So you always looking for yeah. allies. And, you're right there in Delaware, and I lived in Delaware. Both my sons were born at Christiana Hospital, so yeah. you know the Delaware thing. I was in in uh, Newcastle, right below Wilmington, so I was heading up and down. Then I went down to Dover to check out the, the basketball games. They had these basketball games in high school. I used to go down there all the way down to Dover, and then of course at you Dover got Dell State. Yeah, D well, Dover, the Dover, Delaware, all the way down mm -hmm. there. You know what I mean? So, and then the the um, what's that? Dell State is down that. Way. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. 
So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And then he got yep. the racetrack down there. So I've been all over Delaware, man, you know, <laughs> right next to Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah. That's you know, my... there's, there's another sister out of Delaware who's huge in media. She works with the BC.com and all that. Her name is uh, Mustafa Muhammad. What's her name? Jamila. 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 Jamila Muhammad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came, we were, we went to Del State, State together. Yeah, you went to Del State too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know oh, Jamila. Man. We went to Del State together. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've been in touch with Jamila, and I got a film called uh, Broken Sexy that I wanted to, uh, you know, plug her into as one of the stars. So that's another film that is an excellent film because, you know, sometimes people don't have the money, but they still trying to be sexy and act like they fly and whatnot. You know what I mean? <laughs> and when you go on a date and the, the date start ordering all kind of stuff, just you're like, whoa, you ordering steak and lobster and shrimp, yeah. you know? You know. <laughs> And you start getting nervous and start feeling so that that's a great funny film that deals with the economics of dating. You know what I mean? Sometimes For women sure. got more money, they got more money than you, but they still want you to spend your money. It's a lot of funny stuff that you get. So that's a funny joint, but it's easy. It's a romantic joint, but it's a film thing. It's not the streaming thing. And so okay. now I got a battle of streaming versus going to the movies. And the way I put it for black people, nobody go to the movies. I always put it to women. If I'm dating you and I call you up and say, can I come over your house or do you want to go out to the movies? If you just dating a dude, you ain't inviting him over yet. You going out to the movies. You want to get dressed up. So when I hear people right. keep saying, oh, nobody wants to go to. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, dude. Like the movies are still an outing at the whole popcorn thing, the waiting in line. The being, that's still yeah. an event. So when we start getting to the point where, and again, I started <laughs> going to the movie. When I was, I love the movies. So I'm like, no. So now I'm looking at films that are bigger and higher and lock mm -hmm. in to a movie crowd. And that one that I wanted to cast, Jamila Mustafa and, you know, Broken Sexy, straight movie. Because if you go on a date with a dude and somebody paid for the movie tickets, somebody paid for the popcorn, and then you got to figure out if, if y'all going to have a sleepover after that, are you going to set <laughs> all this stuff that's going on? And then you're watching a movie where that stuff is right and y'all on a date it's not going to feel the same if you're at the house and you, you know what I mean? It's, it's not the same feeling. And so mm -hmm. that was a movie where I know if it's date movies, so I'm going to have date people, they're going to laugh real hard with the stuff they watching. And like, damn, I'm on a date right now. And I'm thinking the same stuff that Omar got in this movie. And that's when you have superior writing. When you know that I'm going to put this in there. Cause I know this is what people are thinking versus nonsense that you got a lot of silly stupid nonsense that's coming out that's making money because that's what they're coming up with and that's what they're getting mm -hmm. the finances to do but my stuff is on another level and so yeah broken sexy is theatrical and i'm not and that's the the argument that i have with finances no nobody we just want to stream it i'm like yo dude do you understand that streamers are getting a, a dime of you know what i mean like when you take it to the movie yeah. you get 50 percent. you get 50 percent out the gate and so I'm like, man, streamers are getting pennies and the streaming companies are making all the money. Netflix is making the money. Hulu is making the money. They giving you a percentage of it. You bringing the audience. They, so I'm like, that's crazy, man. You know, but they don't get it. They just trying to make a fast dollar. But I'm mm -hmm. looking at the bigger picture of black people still being able to go out, enjoy themselves at the theater, see themselves, be proud of themselves, learn about themselves. And so I'm, I'm, I'm fighting that battle right now. 
Yeah, yeah. So I I can't wait to hear about that uh, movie to watch it because I feel like a Both lot of people can relate to it. <laughs> oh, I already know. I already yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. When I wrote it, I was laughing out loud because, you know, you've been on dates. You know what I mean? Like, you understand how it goes. You start ordering stuff and God, like, you know, in fact, Kevin Hart, that was his favorite part when he had that whole the laugh of my pain when he kept talking about, well, my, my account is set up where I, my, my money ain't going to pass. So every time he did that, you know, like, he hanging out with people that got more money than him. And he like, hey, we can't hang with them because they're going to spend more. I can't. My, the way my money is set up, that was funny as hell to me as a hustler because you always try to figure out what money you're going to spend. And sometimes you can get with the wrong person and feel like you have to spend your money up. And that happens to a lot of dudes that's out there trying to play big dog. You know what I mean? Like you spend the money. Right. Like you know you want, you know you got to pay your rent, but you spent that extra money on this girl trying to impress her. You know, so that's a really funny film that's right yeah. up. Every, everybody can relate to it. If you old enough to date, you understand that dates cost money. You gonna laugh. You know what I mean? So that's the kind of stuff that it's an out movie. It ain't no inside movie. It's a go to the theater movie. And that's the kind of movies I want to focus on. Control and everything yeah. else is a go to the movie movie, not the streaming stuff. I think, like I said, I think that would be a um a great concept. I was literally just having that conversation with my sister yesterday because we had went, um, I live in DC. So like Navy Yard is in walking distance with all the restaurants and stuff. So we went to a restaurant and I had to pay for my own food. <laughs> I'm not used to that. Going to a restaurant. And wow. She said she's not used to that. You hear that guys? She said she's not. I got to always pay for my own food. You see how it's different, man. That's, I'm not used to that. That's what's crazy. And so I got, it was expensive. I got a lawyer. I got a lawyer. I got a lawyer and broken sexy who makes more money than the dude she's dating, but he got to spend his money. You know what I mean? And that's like, and so he's sitting there like, aren't you a lawyer? And he's like, and she's like, yeah, I'm a lawyer. He said, well, why should you pay? Oh, well, I left my credit card in my car. And he's like, well, well why you leave your credit card in the car? You know, so it's funny as hell, man. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's great. But yeah, she don't they even pay, but she haven't even done that. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you go to them steakhouses and the mm -hmm. steak is like $60. And then yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat some of her steak if she don't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's cut the steak in half because you ain't going to eat it all. You ain't got to take it. Why, why you want it? Then if you do that, you just ruined the girl's going to be like, because she can't wait to talk about you. Then, like, do you understand? He cut the steak in half. Did this too? I would never go. So, you know, you can't do that. <laughs> But that would be funny in a movie, you know what I mean? Like we're gonna cut right. that in half, we're gonna, you know, because he ain't got the budget for that. But you already know as a woman, like, oh, he's in trouble. Like I'm not right. dating that dude again. So that, <laughs> yeah, it's just funny stuff, man. But that's the kind of films. Every film I got a film called Kensington, which is based on Philadelphia's drug territory, mm -hmm. and it's horrible in Kensington. Mm -hmm. And so I write stuff that's on point. But again, you can't shoot Kensington in some other place. That place is like ready for film. All you gotta do is turn the cameras on, and it's crazy. I'm familiar with Kensington. Oh, I'm very familiar God. with. <laughs> and then it has that overhead train. You know what I mean? That really only three cities have that overhead train: Philly, mm -hmm. Chicago, and New York. So you know what I mean? You can't even duplicate that overhead train thing that immediately looks like the '70s when you're under it. You know what I mean? Immediately looks like the 70s. Right. It's like that throwback era when they had them big crane screens and stuff shooting the 70s movies. Those are my favorite movies, the 70s, because you knew you were in location and they were shooting on location. Now you don't know where the hell you are with the way they do sets and stuff. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah.
Uh, I was going to ask you. So uh, we were talking about Dover, um, the author of True to the Game. Yeah. Terry her. Woods. Yes, Terry Woods. Do you know yeah. her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She oh, okay, for, yeah. When she first started, she was an assistant working for a law firm. And she sent yeah, me some yeah, pictures yeah. and inspired. So, yeah, a whole lot of the people that started, man, Vicky Stringer, yeah. you know, Quan, you know, all them guys, man, was reaching out to me when I, I was, like, way <laughs> out. Way out there, man. So they always reaching out. You know what I mean? I love all, that. all the books that came out, they got yeah. in touch with me some way. And then Sister Soldier was already writing at the same time I was writing. She wasn't writing novels yet, but Sister Soldier has an ego. You know what I mean? So whenever I talk <laughs> to Sister Soldier, she like, I was already doing this and that. I'm like, all right, kind because of, we like, I think she might she might even be older than me. I think she might be one year older than me. You know what I mean? But I was writing novels before she came out with her first novel. Um, yeah. Coldest Winter Ever came out in 99. Mm -hmm. I already had like five and six books out by then. You know what I mean? So, you know, a lot of people that read late, yeah, I was way before everybody. You know what I mean? And Sister Soldier had a book called No Disrespect, which was nonfiction that came out in 95. But my first three books came out in 92, 93, 94. So I was already there. And then her, her fiction didn't come out until 99. You know, so a lot of people don't know the history of that. But, yeah, I was way out front and all the young folks that came through yeah. on that first wave. That was the first wave. Now we like on the third wave. Some of the third wave people don't even know me. You know what I mean? Because it's like they're so separated from the beginning, you know, but all the beginning people know me. Yeah. I feel like when I think of my childhood, teenage years, the, the books like, you know, True to the Game, Coldest Winter Ever, Fly Girl are truly staples. Uh, in, in that era, especially in yeah. black households. So yeah. we definitely appreciate you and your work. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how we can support you, some things you got coming up? Uh, yeah, all of that. Well, the first thing is to follow me because I need more Period. followers. They judging. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy what they're judging followers on now. Like, you know what I mean? They looking mm -hmm. at your followers, companies looking at your followers saying, well, if we support you, if we give you a sponsorship, if we find, you know what I mean? Now, I'm like, this is crazy. All the... If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. And so those numbers are getting highly, yeah. have been important, but I got to keep pushing. My Instagram is only one, the number one, Omar Tyree. You'll see Hot Lava Entertainment. That's my company all over everything with the red and black. My Instagram, that's the, the Twitter is just Omar Tyree. Facebook, Omar Tyree. TikTok, Omar Tyree. YouTube, Omar Tyree. Or Hot Lava Entertainment, which is my other thing that, that I'm pushing because I'm going to do all my films and, and, and stuff under Hot Lava. I do music, too. So right now I'm looking for, you know, a couple of music stars. I want to do a soundtrack song for Control. So I'm looking for a young female rapper and a young female soul artist. So I'm going to do that too. And I've been putting out music for years, but I'm, I'm not on the puffy level, of course, you know, as a producer. But I'm trying to get there with productions that would fit into the films and stuff, the whole soundtrack thing. And so, yeah, that, that's what I'm working on with Hot Lava. So you'll always see that red and black Hot Lava entertainment around what I'm doing. But yeah, just following my Instagram okay. and my, my Twitter and, you know, LinkedIn, all that more, all that stuff, just following. You know what I mean? That's just number one because you need those numbers. And I got to figure out a way of breaking 10,000 because <laughs> I'm still at 9,100 or something like that. So <laughs> it's crazy when you're saying nobody wants to follow you. Right. Well, we're going to talk offline about that. We I got yeah. some things <laughs> you okay. can do. Uh, cool. 
Yeah, but I definitely appreciate your time. Thank you so much for stopping through the podcast. We definitely got to do this again. Cool. Well, when I get those movies popping and the music stuff, yeah, that, that's going to be more fodder uh, for, for the social media crowd and all for of sure. that. Yeah, but for I'm sure, always yeah. busy working. We busy. Awesome. I'm going back up going back up to Philly this week. So I got a grandmother have a big old event on Sunday. Nice. So I'm heading back up tomorrow. In fact, I'm going to be riding past Delaware to get back up to Philly, riding <laughs> past DC to get back up to Baltimore to, from that same track. And now it's easy. Now I've been doing it so much. It's like, you know, it's a breeze, nine hour mm. ride, but it's a breeze for me because I've been doing it so much. I don't know if I'll ever get used to a nine hour drive. <laughs> yeah. Well, hustle is hustle. That's what we do. I drive probably every weekend from DC to Delaware. It's about two and a half hours, maybe two oh, hours. That's a that's a baby ride. I, don't I used like to do driving. that from college. Oh, I don't yeah, like you know, driving. I, driving. I, I don't like. Driving. <laughs> I love driving. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we're gonna connect. Uh, definitely Thank appreciate you. you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I didn't know you went to school with uh, that my kid, Jamila Mustafa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's my homegirl. Yeah, and Terry she wanted, she wanted she wanted to be the new school Oprah. You know what I mean? But that's yeah. hard. That's real hard. So I feel yeah. for with that. That's hard to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she she's doing it. I love Jamila. I know um she's doing a lot of great work. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. So, right, so also, let's, let's let's connect and see how you can help me with the marketing. Yeah, yeah I got you. I got you. Thanks. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Who needs an alarm in the morning? When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. And a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.